Hi everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Greg Constantine, founder and CEO at Air Company. Now, this episode is unlike any of the previous interviews we've done. It's one of those, you gotta see it to believe it type companies. Because what Air Company does is they take excess carbon from the air and turn it into physical products that people love, starting with vodka. So in the episode, Greg and I talk about why a spirits company is getting awards from the likes of NASA and the United Nations, what it's taken to develop a technology that can transform excess carbon into physical products, operating in the complicated three-tier alcohol industry, and much, much more. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this conversation. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy our interview with Greg Constantine, founder and CEO at Air Company. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Greg, when I saw uh, your company's launch a couple months ago, I said, we have to have you on the show. So let's, let's start with the basics. What is Air Company and why is a spirits maker receiving awards from NASA, the United Nations, and potentially the $20 million XPRIZE award. Yeah, appreciate it. I mean, firstly, thank you for having me on here. I mean, we're fans of the show for sure. So I think it's going to be a, a cool conversation. So Airco is, you know, we're a technology company here in New York. The core of the business is really around helping the environment by creating products that do good. What we do is, you know, we remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and we turn it into alcohols. So that's the the core of the business. It's an extremely innovative process and technology across the board. And the reason that we've got partners like NASA and the UN and we've won awards from the rest of them is that the alcohol that we create can be applicated to, to so many different things. And the way that we create it is carbon negative. So it's ultra sustainable. It's actually, you know, helps the planet in that respect. So yeah, we've got some some cool things in store coming up in the next year or two for sure with some of those guys. And we're just so fortunate to be able to be in a conversation or even recognized by the likes of a NASA or the likes of the UN or a finalist in the in the X Prize as well, which is such a reputable thing. It really is insane. And like I said, when I saw the headlines, I just how, right? So before we get into the science and the tech I'd love to rewind just a second. How did you come to start sure. your company? Yeah, sure. I mean, we always say it was only a, a couple year journey, but just like a lifetime of ideas and the rest of it. And serendipitously enough, I met my amazing you know, business partner and co-founder actually overseas. We were both selected on Forbes' 30 Under 30 for our separate endeavors that we were doing in our career at the time. And I was working at a, at a really big alcohol company at the time. And I came from the music and entertainment industry before that. So a very unique trajectory in that respect. And, and Stafford, my business partner, was, you know, got his PhD from Yale and, you know, had a slew of startups prior and was working on technologies that can help the environment. And because that's the core of his 
structure as a person is really as an environmentalist and a technologist. And so kind of fast forward, we had met overseas because Forbes had sent us on a trip over there and I was surrounded by all these amazing people and we became friends. And upon after becoming friends, we were just talking about all the things that we were doing and working on and the things that I wanted to work on from an innovation standpoint and a creativity standpoint and a sustainability standpoint. And he was working on this potential technology and then how to applicate it. And that's kind of the birth of where it all began a, a few years ago. I was looking at your LinkedIn and I saw you mentioned a large alcohol company, but it is, I mean, really one of the most prestigious yeah. brands in the world. <laughs> so talk about a perfect marriage of skill and interest. So now if we take a dive deeper sure. into the science and the technology, mm -hmm. in layman's terms, right. How does the technology work? Yeah. I mean, look, we say we say air, water, and sun, right? Because that's just the the core three elements that utilize that the technology utilizes. And what we mean by that is air being carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, water being another element, and, and sun being that it's all powered by solar power as well. So what actually happens is we take carbon dioxide, and funnily enough, the carbon dioxide that we take is captured off of traditional fermentation. So when you traditionally ferment to make alcohols, you put out emissions. We actually utilize those emissions in order to make our alcohol. So it's almost a secular process. So we take that carbon dioxide and, and we combine it with hydrogen that we make also ourselves on site in a sustainable way. And when those two components meet our technology, which is a, a catalyst, which causes a reaction, the reaction that's caused from that, which is all again powered by the sun, creates ethanol and water and oxygen. So in its core, it's artificial photosynthesis. It's doing what a tree does, right? It's removing carbon and it's putting out oxygen. And along that pathway, we have a couple other products as well with that. And yeah, that's just the core of the technology and it sounds complex and, and the rest of it, it's, it's, it's quite simple, but it is also intricate in, in the way to be able to do it. I'd love to talk through how Air Company mm compares to the status quo today and i'm especially interested because of how close you've been to the industry for a number of years how does the environmental cost of producing let's say a bottle of vodka today yeah compare to air company's flagship product you know sure. yeah i mean look we've tried to be as diligent as we can with a production kind of process like this as well where it's tough it's tough to create products that are end-to-end -end, you know good for the environment because inherently anytime you create one element or anytime you use an element within there as well or within the process someone had to make that piece as well and then the impact of creating that piece. So it's tricky and we really try to be as stringent as we can. There's some things you can't get around because there's obviously laws around packaging and, and shipping and the rest of it, which we can't bypass at the moment, but we're definitely trying to. So I think when you compare it to the traditional spirits industry, we're leaps and bounds ahead in that respect because no one has ever been able to innovate from a liquid standpoint, right? So when I was at, you know, my former employer, I think you realize how detrimental a lot of industries are to the planet. There where I actually took an understanding of, wow, there's, there's so many pieces and elements that go into the bottle, the label, the liquid itself. And to try and innovate across the board is a huge challenge. And we've been able to innovate in the trickiest part, which is the liquid, right? Because in order to traditionally make 
alcohol that you consume, you need football fields and football fields worth of corn or grain or potato. You need to irrigate all of that. You need instrumentation on those fields that are fueled by gasoline that is fuel, you know, that are using oil. So there's just the the levels of of I guess pieces that go into just traditional alcohol process so complex, but also so detrimental. So for us in the size of this room that we're in right now, which is probably like 300 square feet maximum, if that, we can put our entire machine in here and it's all powered by the sun. So the impact that we have on the environment is is so small, is almost negligible compared to, you know, the traditional industries that, you know, in such an early stage business for us, you know, we ask all the big industries to join us, right? To come, you know, along the journey with us because we know that we can't do it ourselves and that we need the powers of these enormous, you know, companies and conglomerates to really help this mission of let's create clean spirits, clean alcohols that we can use across the board that are actually better for the planet because we're removing carbon dioxide for every bottle that we create. Man, this is, you're blowing my mind. Right <laughs> it's incredible. So one of the things that I read and was trying to think through is how you balance access to what I would deem is a climate solution in sure. some capacity with what I also believe is a kind of premium and beautiful product. Like how do you balance those two different parts of our company today? Yeah, it's tricky, right? Because, you know, for such an early stage company like ours, obviously cost of goods, like I think I kind of touched on before, to be environmentally friendly, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, it costs us in order to produce that, it costs us to, to be sustainable. So our goal is to absolutely be able to scale the technology to a point that we can bring the cost of our goods down so that then it is then accessible to anyone and everyone across the board. And that is, of course, the goal right now in such a small stage company. It's tough. It's tough to be able to do because at the end of the day, we still have to, you know, in order to be successful, we have to run a business as well. So I think right now being a, a ultra premium price point, A, we can demand it because of the quality of the actual product and the sustainability. But at the end of the day, it costs us a lot to make it. And that's the kind of the reason why it is at that price point. And our absolute goal is to scale the technology and use the funds that we're hopefully making now from revenue to be able to then cost that thing, that bottle down and the rest of our products down so that they're accessible. Because, you know, if you're trying to just continually sell a product over and over that's out of reach from everyone, it doesn't become a viable business in the long term. And we, yeah, we're huge you know, we're huge fans of a lot of technology companies out there and we're, we're, you know, we're big Tesla fans as well, you know, through all of their woes and, and, and the rest of it, you know, one thing that a guy like Elon's done is, you know, set a plan and, and really tried as best as he can to stick to it. And I think for us, not to say that we're any way, shape or form the same, but that kind of model of, you know, a higher priced car or bottle because your cogs are high to begin with because you're innovating in a technology that that hasn't existed before to then hopefully continually price things down so that the masses can actually you know utilize them and benefit from them and that's kind of our trajectory and goal with our product as well what do you think is the solve for scaling is it more machines is it being in more places all of the above How, what do you think the solve is it's everything it's it's 
technology we have to innovate on. So it means more machines, machines that are more efficient, that can create more output because right now demand is far higher than supply. But on the other side of it, it's consumer awareness. You know, people need to know and to be aware. And while we're so excited about doing talks like this is actually telling people that not only is it more sustainable, it's better quality at the end of the day. So you should just choose it because it's actually better. And by the way, it also removes a pound per liter that we create. So it should be a no-brainer, right? And it's just about creating the awareness around that and breaking down, you know, stigmas around, you know, technologies that are actually better for the planet, but also better for you as well. So yeah, it's 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 all the above. We've got a lot of challenges ahead and, you know, it's been a long road to this point and, you know, it's tough and it's challenging, but at the end of the day, it's really exciting as well because you're innovating. I'm side note, I'm excited to try it. What What is the flavor profile of it today? Yeah, so it's it's really, really interesting. So Stafford and part of his brilliance as a, as a technologist and an environmentalist is also just his brilliance as a chemist. So we spent two years going and dissecting, if we're just talking about our, our core product and our first product, right, vodka. We spent all the time dissecting all the things we liked about vodkas and all the things we didn't like. And, you know, we believe that we just crafted what we think is just the best vodka out there scientifically because A, there's such a lack of impurities in the liquid, but B, any bottle of vodka that you have is 40% alcohol, 60% water. So a lot of the flavor that you're getting is from the water, but traditionally all the burn that you get and the hangover you get is from the alcohol itself because when you ferment, you get different types of alcohols and it's those other alcohols that give you a hangover, that give you a burn, that are bad for you, the good type really, we're ethanol. And that's what makes it so smooth and clean and crisp. And, you know, we won a gold award at the biggest spirits competition in the US earlier this year. Yeah, we also won a gold at the Global Luxury Masters, which is over in the UK as well, which is like for, you know, we're up against premium, like the most premium products and it's a blind taste test. So they don't know where it's come from, how it's made, all they're doing it is purely on taste and quality of liquid and the liquid really does speak for itself in that respect and that's the brilliance of Stafford, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I cannot man. wait to try it. <laughs> we got to uh, get you having some. Right? Yeah. The the next part of uh, your story that's interesting is, again, your your time at Diageo. Sure. So I, I'd like to zoom out for a second mm-hmm. and explore the alcohol industry at large. The unique thing about the alcohol industry for the casual listener out there is it operates on a three-tier system. Yeah. And people have many different opinions about this. But given that you've now operated on both sides of, of this, I mean, I guess two of the three, uh, maybe three of the three actually, what is your take on the number one advantage of that system and the number one disadvantage of the system? Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, me coming from Australia originally, three T systems non-existent over there, and I, you know, it's non-existent you know anywhere else uh, in the world. And I think for us as a small business in that respect, it's really tricky to to try and get behind because a you go and work with a distribution you know platform, and you know you lose margin, so you're already losing somewhere between twenty five and thirty five percent of your margin given and on top of that you go and work with a a big distributor and you're one of 
a thousand, two thousand brands that they have. So fortunately for us, um, we're able to to somewhat bypass that model in a sense that we we self-distribute and we have the ability to self-distribute. And there's a few states that you can do that in uh, where you keep that that margin yourself. However, you know, when you're at scale, when you're doing, you know, big, big volumes and big numbers, the efficiency that distribution gives you is exactly that. It's efficiency, right? They've been doing it for years. You know, they, they, you know, run, you know, the industry in that respect. And when you want to get to scale, what they have is the network of people and the ability to get you where you need to be as well. Do I think that you know, that three tier system is a dated system and that it, that it maybe not, maybe it shouldn't be in place. Uh, look, it's a tricky answer because it's ingrained in us culture. Is it easier elsewhere? Absolutely. Is it something that you got to, you know, get used to here for sure. And look, I don't, I don't think that there's a, a right or wrong to it. I think that there's just a lot of intricacies and pros and cons for both. And I think that as a small stage business for us, definitely, Trying to bypass it in the early onset is definitely kind of the win, but I think at scale, it's definitely where you need to be because it's just the way of the law at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a part owner in a, another alcohol brand called Punch Pumps, and it, less than a year old, and it's the first time that the founders have had to navigate that complex. There's a lot more relationship building required versus product merit which is really interesting to me yeah look the sad reality is that distribution rules the industry right and without distribution you're not going to be successful and is it a relationship driven business absolutely right so you have to do such a phenomenal job on your product that they want to then push it and they have to be incentivized to want to push it as well and you know there's a big challenge just in doing that yourself. And, you know, the challenge is that you can't do a phenomenal job if you're not in the right places and they're the ones that are going to get you in the right places. So it's this funny balance of trying to do it all and, and utilize them as well. And I think for us, you know, we've got a really unique product. So we're in a, we're in a bit of a different category because we already have a slight leg up in that respect. And, and then it's about having all the right pieces in place to be able to set yourself up for that, you know, ladder success as well. So I'd say for any new brand out there or new beverage company out there, you know, distribution is absolutely key and it really is whether you want it to be or not, it's just the reality of the, of the game. I mean, it's so interesting too. Like even even on the on-prem strategy, you're, the the core challenge here is making sure that a stranger is telling your story effectively. But I think the unique thing about Air Company is it's quite a captivating story to tell. Yeah. It's never been told before. Yeah. So even if you were to totally clunk it on your execution, <laughs> like the, the pure novelty yeah. of the product is captivating on itself. Yeah, for um, sure. I think that's the challenge though, because there's, you know, your first question was like, you know, you're a spirits company, but you've got all these amazing wards and partners, right? So I think when you're doing something so vastly new, it's just about getting the right messages out at the right time and in the right cadence as well, right? Because when you have so many unique, cool, different things and great things happening in a, in a company, in a business, it can get lost, 
and people can get confused. So a big bit of why we're, you know, working with and planning to work with, you know, our favorite bars and restaurants and, you know, all these great Michelin star restaurants is because we know that from a product level, they're going to articulate it correctly. They're going to talk about it correctly. And at the end of the day, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a bartender or a restaurant owner and the vodka category has never been innovated in, and then I get this beautifully designed product that's higher quality and more, more sustainable and has a phenomenal story. I want something to talk about with the people that are coming in as well. And it gives me a story to tell about as well. So yeah, we've got a job about educating as well, but to your point, you know, a lot of it really does itself as well because it's such a unique uh, story. Uh-huh. Yeah. I want to touch on the product how it looks because anyone listening, if you go to air com- is aircompany.com, yeah. right? Everything from the website experience, the design, the packaging, it is flawless across the board. And I know you worked with mythology. Yeah. I think they were named some before, but mythology who's worked with Lady Gaga, Allbirds, Warby Parker. So I'd love to hear your take on why work with, uh, branding agency like mythology in those early innings uh, maybe when it makes sense to do so and if you could help demystify what that engagement looks like because you can often you see these amazing companies launching and you've seen articles about uh, sharing equity or ma- having to know people so just would love to hear your take there yeah it's really interesting and this might be like a, a long answer to it as well, but I think it's a great question for me personally, you know, in my previous, you know, role at this, you know, alcohol company, stepping out of that, I really wanted to, to be proud of, of, of a bottle. And I really wanted something that I would be pleased to share. And we use this term like proud to own and pleased to share, but it's, it's the truth. Right. And on top of that, you know, the way that I like to position the company and the way that I, you know, tell everyone that we work with is that we don't want to think of this product or this company as a spirits company. We don't. And we want to do, you know, the opposite in that respect, right? We want to innovate because we're innovating on the liquid. So let's innovate with who we work with. Let's innovate in how we market and let's innovate in how we sell and the look and feel of that as well. So, you know, if you look at all of the artisanal craft brands out there, they all look very similar. If you look all at all the mass brands, they look very similar. So, you know, the, the earliest onset of this brand was to really be innovative, to be different to the category and to be modern in that respect, right? Because we are a technology that is all about modernity. We're all about the future and we're all about quality. So that was the crux of it. And then, you know, Anthony, who, who, who runs Mythology, which was formerly known as Partners in Spade, is just, you know, the most incredible, you know, creative in that respect. And, you know, you touched on some of the brands that they've worked with and some of the, the things that they have designed. So when I was fortunate enough to, to have a conversation with them, you know, they, you know, they get approached by everyone and, you know, the, in their positive outlook, they had just said that, you know, we don't come across things like this you know it doesn't exist so we were so fortunate enough as a small company for them to not only want to work with us but to really help us on things like fees and and the rest of it right because you know when you're working with such big companies and big brands you know they're able to to you know to work with the best and what comes with that is a price tag so they were amendable with that 
and we had a phenomenal rapport, right? And I think that's just part of the positivity that we've received, not only from them, but from everyone in the industry because we're doing something new and you're expecting challenge, but what we're getting is positive reactions because we're trying to do something that's for the better, for the better of the planet. So back to the look and feel, it was really like, look, here are all the brands that we love. Here are all the brands that stand for something bigger than what they do. It's why they're doing it. And, you know, we crafted this brand identity behind it, right? With the team over at Mythology with a phenomenal industrial designer named Joe Doucette, who is from Dumbo here in, here in New York as well. And, you know, he and I and Anthony sat down countless times to try and figure out what's the life of this brand? What's the life of the bottle? What's the purpose of everything we do? And then how can that translate across the board as well? And how can we be as vastly different to the traditional spirits industry as possible? Because, you know, the product is just so different as well. Yeah. So this is a, a perfect opportunity to segue to my last question before our lightning round. So you've, you've spoken quite a few times about Air Company not being a spirits company. It, it's it's much larger, and it, there's there's many other things that you're thinking about, specifically because the technology is so revolutionary, and that it enables so many different things. So, my question for you is, what other types of products does the technology enable, and what's in the pipeline for our company? Yeah, so I think. First and foremost, right, in order to do all the other great things that we plan, we also have to be very successful in what we do first, which is spirits and which is vodka. Um, so we're still totally solely focused on that goal. However, we have huge aspirations to utilize the technology and the platform we have to not only do great in our company, but inspire others to also go out and try technologies like this or to try and work on what they're working on because you know, Stafford, my, my co-founder, you know, he's a, he's a chemist, right? And he's, what he's been able to do is take something from academia to lab, to practicality, to commercialization, which you don't see. So to then use that as a platform to inspire others, whether technologists, whether chemists, whether, you know, another kid around the corner who wants to try something new and different and doesn't know how to, you can use our blueprint as a way to be able to do so as well. So that's another bit, but you know, in terms of the other products that we create, you know, we make ethanol, right? And that ethanol is phenomenal for consumption. So spirits industry is a great starting point, but also the fragrance industry, you know, a bottle of fragrance is 80% ethanol. And we just happen to make ethanol that's higher quality, but more sustainable. And when you're talking about the things like NASA, ethanol is, is a fuel source, right? You know, ethanol, you can put, if you go, you know, outside and fill up your car 25 percent of it right now can be ethanol and the ethanol again that we make is ultra ultra sustainable so you know we're working with a few actual partners in the space and outside of the space in hopefully commercializing technologies that can be used for fuels as well and i think outside of that the technology that we have can be applied to an array of different things and staff's brilliance is the ability to innovate and I think I want to keep some of the cards closed for sure, but for sure. there's some really really cool things happening and some awesome conversations in the works as well and I think you'll see some of that trickle out slowly as well we'll have to do a round two yes. when the next Friday Deal. comes out for nice. sure 
So I want to segue to a lightning round. Yeah. The way it works is I'll ask a couple questions. Mm -hmm. We'll try to answer each in 60 seconds or less. Cool. You ready to go? Yes, let's do it. So in the context of your time at Diageo, what is the campaign you are most proud of? Building a movement around inclusivity. So, you know, we took a brand that stood for not being a red tape brand, that was being really about an inclusive brand that's a, a, a drink for everyone, and then likening that to what's happening and relevance in culture. And we did it through electronic music because electronic music was founded by a black gay man from Chicago. So the roots of electronic music are inherently inclusive. So how do we use our platform of socialization and, you know, couple it with you know, this inclusive message where people are able to have fun around drinking and dancing and enjoying music. So that was something that we were tremendously proud of working on. Second question is about your time at Harvard. Yeah. I know you finished one of their executive education uh-huh. programs. Question is, for whom do you recommend that type of program? Who is it best suited for? I'd say it's best suited for A, a type of person that doesn't necessarily have the time to be able to go and devote two years to go sit in an MBA and and do that full time. So one, but I would also like people to do it that are at a latter stage of their career where, you know, a lot of that is, is learning, but a lot of it's learning from the people that you're around because the environment that you're around and the network of individuals who have had a, a slew of success in their industries and their professions allows you to learn and take knowledge from them as well. And I met one of my actual best friends to date now there in that course and yeah i i had a phenomenal time there and still keep in touch with i would say 60 percent of the people there so it was a it was a great experience for sure yeah third question is if you weren't working on air company Uh uh-huh what problem area would you be exploring it would still be in inclusivity and definitely within the music space as well so uh I've got something close that I've been working on that I I still plan to work on and it's definitely around bringing people together and using music and interaction and people as a vehicle for inclusivity but also uh, a vehicle for for knowledge which is a a huge, huge thing and I think that is definitely the space that I'll be around where it's making people happy but also making people feel included as well which is just something that's really dear to my heart. Yeah. Last question is, you know, we're days away from 2020. Yeah. And I, I love to kind of end on a, a note that looks forward. So sure. if we if we look at 2020 or if, we're, if it was 2021 and we look back, what would need to happen or what does the team hope would happen to deem the year of 2020 a success for our company? Yeah, I look, I think there's probably a, a number of, of, of business reasons, but I I think for us at the end of the day, we're happy if we're inspiring other people, right? And it's inspiring other people to not only do good by hopefully taking on board a product like this, but as I said before, inspiring other people to actually go out and try new things because if Stafford didn't go and step out of his comfort zone and try something new, you and I wouldn't be sitting here today having this conversation. So overall outside of business aside and and technology aside it's just inspiring other people to go try new things because if we end the year next year and everything fails but we inspired some people to go create something new or try something new or do something different then then that's totally a win for us big time greg nail the lightning round (laughs) nail the interview i'd love to 
roll the red carpet. Is there any final call to actions, announcements? Uh, the floor is yours. Appreciate it. Look, I think the only call to action or announcements is let's just do good. Let's try to do good because it's challenging and it's tough and you got to break down barriers and, you know, whether it's regulatory barriers or whether it's legal hurdles or whether it's just the barrier of educating people, but don't stop trying because the planet needs us and, you know, we need the planet. So I would just, you know, finish on that note and say, let's just keep, keep moving and and change the world, but also have fun doing it because life is short. Cheers to that, man. Cheers, dude. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing and writing us a review. Also, if you have any recommendations about a founder or a company that you'd like to see on the show, let us know. Message us on social at In Good Hands. Also, special shout out to Dan Mahoney, who produced this week's episode, and Eddie Knuckles, our music director. I'm your host, Peter Levin. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Peter A. Levin. And that's it. Looking forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.